Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon here on a Thursday. Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon and Ken Miller for the uh, next couple of hours talking sports with you. Santa came down the chimney. Trent, look what's under the tree. It's football. Yes. I don't care if it's preseason football or not. It's football and it's the NBC crew and um, away we go. A BMW of Des Moines guest list. You know what? I didn't even look. What do we have? Well, we have a little bit of a change here this morning because our 1130 guest, Scott Miller, our baseball guy who we've talked to for a long time, yeah. he picked up COVID on trade deadline day. Brutal. He, said, he was worn down. He thought it was just that. He woke up yesterday, still not feeling great, thought, eh, you know, I'm probably just a little sick, run down. Took the COVID test last night <laughs> and said, not going to be able to make it. He needs some sleep. He's feeling rough. So Look at that. Does that to you, right? Like yeah. Cappy. Cappy was flat uh-huh. on his you-know-what. It still is going on, isn't it? It is, yeah. And it's still knocking people down in a big-time way. So 11 o'clock, we're a little light. Just Bill Bender at 11.05, mm-hmm. and then yeah, you and fine. me. And we got plenty to talk about because there's some fun football numbers out there, including DraftKings, who's come up with a great idea. Yeah, I know. You shared that with me. Uh, let's tease it. Let's do yeah. that in, in the uh, in the final hour of the program. So what did DraftKings... Look, I give uh, in any of these sports operators, sports uh, wagering, sports book operators who come into the state or wherever, credit for trying to find something that's unique to their app, mm-hmm. right? And you almost have to do, you have to get creative. Uh, and you shared something yesterday when we were taping our MediaCom show, uh, which airs on uh, MC22. Uh, what, four times or five times? Four times. Four times between starting today and uh, sometime on Saturday morning, uh, regardless of that. So what did they come up with? They have come up with college football versus pro football teams, NFL teams, who has more wins. So ones that make a whole lot of sense. You got the Florida Gators and the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right. Very close, obviously, in the same state. Mm-hmm. Probably a lot of cross-sport fans of mm-hmm. each of those mm-hmm. those organizations and programs. So you do that. We have one local one this year, and it's intriguing. What is it? The Chicago Bears. Think about their win total. How many yeah. do you think they're going to win? Uh, six. And the Iowa State Cyclones. Ooh, pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Right, uh, right together. Uh, that is really good. Who wins more games? So there's a bunch of them. We'll have some fun with that coming up in the second hour. But DraftKings came up with another way to bet. <laughs> now, way. are they all juiced at minus 110? Or, yeah, are they... Minus 115 minus is where 115? they all started on both sides. Mm-hmm. And I already saw last night. I re-looked at it last night and dug a little deeper. There's already a couple of 140, so they must have taken Jeez. a couple of big bets yeah. on uh, one side or the other of those. But we'll go through those props coming up in the second hour today. That is really interesting way to go DraftKings. Of course, uh, we speak on behalf of DraftKings. They do a great job. We're sponsored by Circus Sports, but we can talk about both of them, and we encourage as they will encourage you to do the same thing. If you've got both apps on your phone uh, and you're will- and you're wanting to bet a game, take a look. You may get a half a point. You may get a point, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Less juice, uh, bigger profit. Uh, search that out, and uh, you'll be glad that you did. All right, so we will... <laughs> 
Okay, we know the 11 o'clock hour. Who do we have at 10.30? 10.30, David Eichholt will oh, be good. by. Yes. Good, good, good. David Eichholt and then Mitch Holtis, of course. Mm-hmm. I forgot to send you Mitch's audio. Oh, that's all right. We got it. We still got well, a good 45 minutes. Yeah, but I don't know my password to my Gmail account, and it's only on my iPad. And oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, you don't know the pat. Wait, 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 wait. Here's the breaking news. You do not know the password I to don't. your Gmail? I have no idea. No clue? None. It's not that one that you use for everything? Well, I'll try that. Yes. Yeah, that would, that would be my first guess. And then is it capital C or a small c? Uh-huh. Oh, they would never figure this out, Trent. If there were <laughs> hackers trying to get, to get into they'll never in a million years get this one, right? Uh-huh. It's not quite one, two, three, four, five, six, but pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah, pretty close. Can't do that one anymore. Most places lock you out. You're not do allowed they? to do just the straight numbers anymore. <laughs> Got to be a little more tricky. And uh, I'll tell you, Gmail, I had a problem with that. It was right when I got my new phone. What was that about a month ago, a month and a half? And somehow, some way, my Gmail was hacked. Same thing. Really? It happened on my Facebook account. Happened there, too. And it got hacked, and suddenly... What do, what do people... Why do they hack... Oh, I guess pa- they pa- want uh, a bank account information? That's okay, the big yeah, thing, yeah. yeah. So they get into your bank account. If you have stored credit cards on there, mm. that's where they're going. And, and on my phone, I got plenty of that stuff saved in there because mm-hmm. you think it's secure. And then it happens, and that panic. And even as quickly as it is to change a password, I mean, less than two minutes. Right. But just that thought process. What's happening? Who's on my account? What do they have? What can they get out of this? Even if it is for two minutes... How quickly can that be done? That is not a fun feeling when you get, and I got a text message from like three people within a minute. Hey, I think you're hacked. Seriously? Yeah. It was one, a guy I used to work with at school, uh, my next door neighbor and one buddy. And they all within a minute said, I think he got hacked. So they must've got a message and right away knew it was something fishy and was able to change it quickly. But what if I was out of pocket at the time? You know, what if I was in a meeting and all of a sudden an hour later, what does that do? It's scary. But you can just be like you and not even know your password. Don't no, have to worry about it. Maybe the ignorance is the way to go. <laughs> right, <on this>. yes. <laughs> uh, but I'll try and get you that audio for, for yes, Holtis. So we'll join us at 10.50. All right, so David Eicholt, uh, then our friend Mitch Holtis uh, from Chiefs Training Camp, uh, and Bill Bender uh, from the Sporting News Kicks Off Hour number 2. We'll do have a little fun uh, playing around with the sports wagering apps at about 11.30. How did you do in your picks yesterday, by the way? 0-2. Oh, took a couple of long dogs. Neither of them came up. It was an early Grand Slam. How about that for the Padres last First night? First pitch he saw, Trent. Yes, just absolutely incredible. Uh-huh. Uh, I was locked in, though, last night. I'm watching the Dodgers game. So was I. Where were you watching it? MLB Network. All that? They had it, mm-hmm. huh? Good for them. How many games do they show? I never... Well, I don't have to because I got them all. You got them all, right. Right. But how many games do they show? Oh, 15 a week. That's pretty good. Yeah. I, I would guess. I mean, late night, uh-huh. three, four times a week, there's going to be something on. Over the weekend, there's... I mean... The number even might be higher than that. And for somebody like me, your team's not playing late. Right. There's nothing locally that makes a whole lot of sense to watch. Yeah, I flipped it on and listened to Joe Davis talk about Vince Scully uh, and, and no, the broadcast. I was watching it last night, too. It was oh, really so they, they picked up the Dodgers. Broad- well, that's yes. what I was watching last yep. night. And the Dodgers feed. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was so happy to do it, because I mm-hmm. saw they had the two alternates. It was either going to be... Dodgers, Giants, yep. or Padres, Rockies, and fingers crossed, am I going to get the right one? Right. And I did. So that was a really, really nice listen last night, just hearing the stories, mm-hmm. hearing the talk, and just things that would come up, and memories, and, and coming out of the breaks, playing some of his highlights. It was uh, it's all, it was awesome. It was, it was a really, really good, good experience last night. And the game was pretty good. It was, yeah. Yeah, the game was pretty good. You know, the, uh, the, the, uh, the uh, not buzz might not be the right word, the chatter today surrounding Vince Scully. Should Vince Scully be in the Hall of Fame? He's in the broadcaster wing, what do they uh-huh. call it, the Ford Fricky Award. 
mean, if there is going to be one guy that, you know, not a manager, not a player, obviously, I mean, 67 years with the Dodgers. (laughs) All the World Series games that he worked for, NBC. I mean, I hate to do this because we don't have to. It's August and there's football. But if you're building a Mount Rushmore of announcers, right? Who else is who pops to mind more so than this cat? It's the same argument about you know specialty players. What kicker? What punter should be in the? If you are the best punter of all time, well, Tucker's got to be that guy now. And and when it comes for him, he needs to be in the Hall of Fame right. first ballot. He is the best to ever do it. Yes. You well, absolutely. Why would you keep him out for? Just, a couple, well, he's a right. kicker, and that's not as important. Right. Yes, he is not a player, but are managers in there? Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Are, are there front office people that are in there? There have been. Mm-hmm. And because of that, the best broadcaster, the guy that did it for 67 years, it shouldn't just be that. Right. Absolutely. I, I think this is a no-doubter. I cannot understand how you can come up with an argument to say that he shouldn't be in there. You know, and if you it should have happened before I, this. I agree with you. Before he dies. Yes. Right. Uh, I think if you polled Hall of Famers, mm-hmm. they would agree. And and sadly, Joe Morgan has passed. But he but he's he was adamant that um, you know he doesn't want any of these air quote cheaters. If he would have he wouldn't have shown up with Ortiz going into the Hall of Fame. He would not have shown up on Big Poppy's day. What was it two weeks ago? Yeah. Um, yeah, it has to happen. Anyways, don't want to spend a ton of time on that, but uh, I, I'd like to see it. I, and I wonder if there's going to be a little bit of momentum start to build in that direction because, my gosh, if there's anybody else that deserves it more than him, I'd like to know who that would be. It was a, a fun night of baseball for me last yeah, night. Yeah, right. couple other uh, – one I wanted to throw at you. We didn't get our, our full pre-production meeting here this morning, so this is coming off the cup. I don't know if you saw the story yesterday – you ever well, front office sports? It's uh, Michael On McCarthy. On Twitter, I see it, yes. So he was a long time, the sports media guy for USA Today for uh, over a decade, so probably. So he followed Rudy, yes. what was his name? Is it Marsky? Yeah. yeah, Rudy yeah. Marsky. Yeah. yeah, I know the cat you mean. So yeah. he was the guy that took over yeah. at USA Today back when newspapers were a lot more important. Oh, and, God, I miss those days. Uh, I'm you right know what, the country... I know that this won't go over well in some cars that are listening. I, I don't think we're as smart as, as we were. We're not as informed. Right, because we don't have the newspaper. Well, we're more informed with whatever we want to be informed I know, about. I know, and that's I, I'm, that's I'm, where we. Are. I know I'm. I I don't know. My soon called my city, but I don't know Des Moines like I did when the register was at sure. my front door every day. I just don't. Don't feel as well rounded, maybe uh-uh. without a doubt, because you you take what you like and you just go in that mm-hmm. direction, and it doesn't matter if it's sports wise or political wise. We have become that direction, mm-hmm. and, and I agree with you that newspaper was a big part of giving you a whole bunch of things. You like yeah. the lifestyle section, you can well read it. Right. You like sports, you read it. Yeah. And you're also going to see that front page. Now, to be fair, I read it with a, a kind of a, a neutral... I mean, I, I get the fact that there's a lot of uh, people that say that the register slants left. They may sure. be right. I don't see it that way because I'm not looking for it. Mm. But uh, I, I do miss it. Anyway, so uh, your point on, uh, well, on front, business, front, front row sports. Yeah, front office sports. Front office sports. So Michael McCarthy, this is his new venture. He's been doing it for the last couple of years. So he had an article yesterday, and it's talking about NBC making the push for the Big Ten. So a couple of nuggets that came out of this. The first They're one, involved too. Yes. So what NBC is working to do and orchestrating to do is as we have Sunday Night Football, the number one rated television program mm-hmm. for 11 week in, years. week out. They want Saturday Night Football. To follow the Fighting Irish. So it will be that. Sunday Night Football, Saturday Night Football. They're looking to make Night Football, you go to NBC for it. Makes Instead sense, right? Instead of ABC. Right. Yeah. 
Makes sense. Yeah. You're already there for Sunday night football. Right. Come here for Saturday night football. You get a Big Ten game. Mm-hmm. That's what they're going to do. So that's one thing. What Makes would their sense. little moniker be? Because SNF is already taken. Right, right. You have to go a little bit different. <laughs> right. Right? Are they going to bring the music? I hope so. That's good I hope music. So, yeah. That's good music. So we've been hearing upwards of a billion or 1.1 1. 1 1. billion. 1.1, 1, yes. In this article, the conference is expected to command at least $1.25 billion Jesus. now annually in the next rights deal. So the way it would play out is like this, and, and this is piecing together a bunch of different things. You would have what the NFL has, where you're on major broadcast networks. You would have Fox, Big Noon Kickoff, 11 a.m. for us Central Time. Your 2.30 window, CBS. You have Game 2, and then your nightcap. And that's also NBC. Big Ten? Also Big Ten. <laughs> Those three entities, and the way that the Big Ten is looking at this, you have a television, you're going to be able to see yeah. this. Your cable cutter doesn't matter, right? You're going to be able to see these games. Your old person that. can't figure out watching TV on your internet or getting uh-huh. uh, or watching Amazon TV. Have no idea how to do that. And raised, um, this is brilliant. How does the SEC keep up? Because this is the race, and they have everything now going to ABC, ESPN. Yeah, everything I know it. The CBS game is going away. You are on that entity, and that entity alone. Where the Big Ten is looking at stretching this thing out. Fox, of course, BTN along with it. There'll be a package that'll be available. Maybe a Friday night package that'll go to a streamer. Mm-hmm. And then you have all these games on Fox, FS1, BTN. And then the single game on NBC, the single game on CBS. $1.25 billion. Do we like Kevin Warren more, Trent? Oh, if he comes, if he pulls this one off, <laughs> he's all you've always been his number one fan. <laughs> not not quite that far, but you pull this one off, you're looking very, very good. How now, about that? Who, who is this scary for, though? Well, this, it's scary for the Big Twelve and the Pac twelve, and where are they going to go? Absolutely is. You do not want this to play out in this uh-uh. fashion. You want that CBS window to be open. You want NBC to not get a piece of the package and to try to find a way to get involved outside of Notre Dame. This is not a death knell for either of those two conferences, but this is scary. Mm -hmm. If it plays out in this fashion, this is a big-time concern for both the Pac-12 and the Big 12. Back to TNT? Right. Right? Who was the guy's name that did the TNT broadcast? It was TBS, right? Or was it TBS? It was TBS, yeah. Okay. The Uh, Seneca-Wallace game. That's right. With the run against Texas Tech. Exactly. The broadcaster, we Dyer and I used to have him on all the time. Oh, really? No, he did Spurs games. Oh, Okay. Oh, you'd know his name. Yeah. You've seen him kind of bald. Uh, not, you're not kind of bald. You're the bald or you're not, right? Um, anyways, so so to, answer, to back to your question, um, where did those conferences go? ESPN still needs inventory. Yeah. ESPN wants to do the late night window. That's good for the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. If you're the Big 12, you obviously have BYU. Yep. Do you tell Iowa State... Kansas State, basically all your central time zone teams. So everybody outside of the newbies in West Virginia, once a year you're going to have to play a 9.30 game. A 9.30 central kickoff. You're going to have to do that. If we're going to get the most money possible, you're going to have to do this once a year. And how does that play in Ames? A 9.30 kickoff. Well, if you're forced to do it, I mean... Your game's getting done at 1. That's brutal. You got a two-hour drive at best. Yeah. College students love it, right? Yeah. You go to the bar for an hour afterwards. It's, it's going to be great. You just see wherever you leave the party and go right to the game. But Bill, who is you know a farmer in Emmitsburg, he's got a two-hour drive in front of him. Mm-hmm. The guy that runs the grain mill in Osage, that's not fun. 
All right, so we're getting back at 3, then we get up for church at 7. That, not exactly a great day. But if you're the Big 12, I think that's the card you need to be playing. Well, Trent, that might actually be better as opposed to what, what I, I see is kind of the doomsday st- scenario for either the Pac-12 or the Big 12, or if, it's, or if they merge, is sadly, they become action. Mm-hmm. You're playing Tuesdays. You're playing a Tuesday game. Yeah. Once a year, you got a Tuesday game. What would you rather have, that Tuesday-Wednesday game that the MAC has, or once a year, you're playing at 9.30? I think it's 9.30. Yeah, and I think it's for sure. Oh, this is brutal. <laughs> Not so, brutal for the Big Ten. No, Trent, it's not. And everybody's waiting for that uh, for that shoe to drop, mm-hmm. right? The, the, all of them. The Pac-12, I, I think we won't. We won't. But by the way, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 media fighting amongst oh, each my. other. And, and Pac-12 versus Pac-12 media fighting amongst each other. Wow, this, uh, th- this has been, um, I don't want to say hatred, but it's certainly been something, an aspect of all this realignment I didn't see coming. The R conference is better than yours, and the uh, uh, the national guys piling on. And then the Big 12 fighting ba- The conference yeah. Twitter account actually uh, fighting back last night and correcting a, I don't know what it was, a uh, attendance percentage tweet. Right. That man, uh, uh, was it Mandel or uh, what's our guy named Joe Wilmer? Yeah, Wil- Wilner. Wilner, yeah. yeah. And then Canzaro uh, uh, or whatever his name is. Anyways. There's a bunch of different people that are involved in this, and it's been just... It's, it's been great. bonkers to watch this. The back and forth, mm-hmm. and you don't know, and we have more passion. Okay. <laughs> right. Uh, but this is not about passion. This is about television sets. This is about people wanting to uh-huh. watch your product. Ultimately, that's what this is. It's a TV show. Yep. And it's a TV show that, unfortunately for the Big 12... And for the Pac-12 now, your best partners have left. Oklahoma and Texas, as it pertains to TV, they are gone. They are leaving the Big 12. USC and UCLA, they are leaving the Pac-12. And because of that, you are left with a bunch of programs that, yes, have passion. We know, obviously, the passion at Iowa State. But you don't think there's passion at Washington, at Oregon? Sure there is. There absolutely is. It's... It's crazy to think, though. I don't know my password. I'm trying to log oh, on. No. I don't know. <laughs> this, is, this is where the argument is, that this is what we're having at this point. Who's more passionate? Oh, but, well, yes, you might have a few more people in your building, but our percentage is higher inside of our buildings. What are we fighting about here? <laughs> right. <laughs> Just uh, makes no makes no sense. Um, well, when will we know? Doc thinks we'll know in the next uh, couple of weeks. He thinks that the Big Ten will let the world know as to where their games are going to air. If that's the case, the SEC is going to have to counter because I don't know. Is is ABC and ESPN enough? I mean, the Big Ten, I think, is taking the lead. Yeah. If they've got Channel 8, Channel 13, Big Ten Network. Do you know how much the Big Ten teams are getting right now? It's $440 million a year. That's what their annual TV package is. Right, this is going more than double. This is going to be almost triple. Almost triple, right. Now you're adding two more mouths to feed. But sure. You're going to be able but to feed two pretty good ones. Yeah, absolutely, and that's helping the bottom uh-huh. line here. $1.25 billion divided by 16 teams. That's going to be a pretty, pretty penny. Wild. It is. It's incredible. All right. Uh, we will uh, get to our first break. Uh, David Eicholt's going to join us. When's media day over there? Is next it, Friday. It's we, not till next Friday. Next Friday, which is disappointing to me. Well, A, we're going to be in Vegas, but that's fine. Right. Be happy about that. But then the next day is Kids Day. 
with the open practice. Mm. So you get kind of those two media windows, right, if you will. Instead of putting, separating them a little right. bit. If we had it this Friday. Right. And then you get another look-see, and then yes. the, and the uh, media that assembles gets to opine what they're seeing. And do we know if the Big Ten Network is doing their tour? I haven't heard I anything, haven't heard either. Which kind of leads me to believe that, sadly, COVID. We're, we're in trouble. Uh-huh. Yeah. That that's going to be a victim of the COVID when they realize they, you know, they couldn't do it. They got along fine without doing it. Uh, so we shall see. All right, David Eichold coming up. Look forward to speaking with him. Good info from Michael McCarthy. You think he's right? I think so. I think this is what they want. They want to be over the air. They want to be NFL light. Mm-hmm. What the NFL has. CBS, Cut the cord. You can Fox, still get, you, you still get yep. Channel 13. And you're good to go. Mm-hmm. But on those rabbit ears, mm-hmm. they're not even rabbit ears anymore, but you know what it is. Right. And suddenly you're watching every Big Ten game that's basically available huh. short of FS1. Um, they gave up their Channel 220. What did they call it? Uh, the NBC, NBC Sports, Sports Network. Network. They gave that up. Do they have an alt- alternative to that? Yeah, USA, which they put a oh, bunch of sure. hockey on. Yeah, that's true. Is owned by them. So they did that. What, CNBC in the past, they've done some different things, I think, with some crossovers. Right. What was the Iowa State game where they ended up like on Fox Business News Channel? Do you remember that? The start of the game? I was can't it remember. the UNLV game? Maybe. No. It was the a UNLV years game started late. It did. No, this was a couple years even before that. This is a conference game, I want to say. Maybe against Texas and it Tech started, or something. Yeah, I don't recall. Because I, I remember the, the story. I yes. don't remember what game it was. So they do have alternatives they if do. they've got, you know, they want to find a place to park Rutgers, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want to put it in, in one of those, not prime windows, but a window that's got a lot of spaces already taken. I think these are just going to be separate entities. It's going to be one uh-huh. game a week for them. Everything else will be under the Fox umbrella with BTN. And Is FS1. ESPN going to be involved? Do you have to keep them... At least a nugget. Well, a game I, a week. I think you do. Well, I don't know if you do. Look, it was one. Th- it was easy for them when they gave up at the NHL. Yeah. Right? You know what? Mm-hmm. We can give up the NHL. This is the sure. United States. I don't know if you can do that for college football. Mm-hmm. Right? It was easy for them to, on Sports Center. they might throw in a hockey score, oh, by the way, 3-2 for whatever, and that would be it. I don't think you can kind of piecemeal it and just kind of gloss over You can't. It's college football. Um, and it's the Big Ten. And it's the Big Ten. We know the attendance numbers. We know the yes. alumni bases. You can't just ignore an entity that big. Right. And you're going to tell me that... You get the number four pick every week. And you'll probably put it on ESPN at 11 mm-hmm. o'clock. But... That fourth pick. You get Do you go to, does game day ever show up again at a Big Ten school if that's ah, the yeah. case? I hope so. By the way, what did uh, who was it last week? You were gone. So you missed this little nugget. I think it was Tom Cakert that let this cat out of the bag. That there's a weekend that a block of hotel rooms has already been reserved for ESPN. Oh really? And I think Tom was speculating Michigan. Okay. That would make a lot of sense. That would make a lot of sense. Uh, that game day may be coming to Iowa, that they've uh, at least contingency plans are starting to be drawn up for that weekend. Is Iowa 4-0 at that time? Yes. Is Michigan undefeated at that time? Let me look. Let me get their schedule. I, th- I, th- I still think, look, I, I think Sawhawks going to be closer than I originally thought because I, ha- I was giving Deckers no credit. Mm-hmm. Um, I just hadn't seen And too much Petrus, as always. <laughs> and I've given okay, fair, guilty. Uh, is Michigan is Michigan undefeated? Give me one second. I'm Did getting they, to the Michigan page right now. Sure. Michigan has okay. Colorado State win. Yeah, they're undefeated. <laughs> not not a whole lot of meat. It looks like on Hawaii that Rainbow Warrior Timmy Chang coming back. You see, yeah. Um, Connecticut. Well, 
Uh, Dan Orlovsky coming back. And I'll say this. Uh, they, Maryland won't win, but Tagliavoe is one of the underrated quarterbacks in this conference. Unless now, he he's awful against Iowa. I'll give yes. you that on that Friday night. But his body of work last year, with the exception mm-hmm. of that game, was pretty damn good. I might take him over Peters. Well, I would hope so. Ten twenty-five. Dave David Eichel next. It's Miller and Condon underway on a what day is it? Thursday. Des Moines Sports Station one hundred six point three. Verdental dot net. Now back to Miller and Condon on one hundred six point three KXNO. Here's Ken and Trent. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO, WNBA's Brittany Griner finally guilty. There's a shock. Yeah. Russia? I'm sure they gave her a fair shake. Uh, nine years is her prison sentence. Nine years. A little bit of pot. Awful. Uh, anyways, um, let's get our friend David Eicholt in here. He covers the Hawkeyes for 24-7 Sports. HawkeyeInsider.com, and he joins us. David, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? Oh, I hit the wrong button, David. My mistake. I'll ask you again. How are you? Hey, appreciate you guys having me on. Always a, always a good time, so I appreciate you having me back. No, uh, Things are going well. Good, good, good stuff. So, um, obviously, the uh, the Hawks have taken the field. Preparations are beginning for the upcoming 2022 season. But you won't get an opportunity to, uh, to talk to any of them, correct, until media day. There'll be no opportunity for a coordinator and assistant uh, prior to next Friday? We will not, but that's typically the case with Iowa. So obviously we'll have to jam pack a lot of questions in a lot of people in the short amount of time. But, you know, know, as long as we get the opportunity to do it and we'll get to see at least a glimpse of the team during kids' day, the kids' day scrimmage, that's good, especially since it feels like we didn't take a lot away from the spring game just because, well, I mean, it felt like half the starters were out due to precautionary reasons or injuries. So I think this will be the first time we really get a taste of what this Iowa team uh, is going to look like this season. Some of the biggest questions obviously surround what is happening offensively. Phil Parker has built this defense up in a way where doesn't matter what they lose, he anticipate they're going to be solid and probably a chance to be better. Offensively, the new quarterback coach off, also the offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz, a lot of arrows. David, I was uh, went through a deep dive last night just looking at some Spencer Petras numbers and offensive numbers. They were not pretty, as you very, very well know. How is this offense going to look different? What do you anticipate are going to be the changes we see offensively from this group? Yeah, you know, it's, it is interesting, though. Like you said, I did deep dive myself last night and this morning. I mean, guys, Iowa won 10 games last year, and they went through their final eight games throwing three total touchdowns. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how that happens. It's literally a case study to me. Jeez. But. You know, I think there is, you know, reasons to be optimistic. I mean, you look at Sam Laporta, I think, is the third or fourth best tight end in the country. I'm not putting him above Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. I'm not putting him up against the Georgia Bulldogs tight ends. I know Kenny, our friend Kenny, is going to be happy uh, to hear that. But, you know, then you got Keegan Johnson, Arlen Bruce, who I think are due for breakout seasons. I think Keegan Johnson, if not this season, maybe next season, is going to be Iowa's next all-Big Ten caliber receiver, and Iowa has not had one since 2011 when Marvin McNutt won that. And then, obviously, Nico Regani, I think, is going to be a big, big X factor, especially with Charlie Jones and Tyrone Tracy gone. And Nico, 
admit that he got frustrated at times last year because he wasn't getting the ball, but he seems like he's taking a good approach going into this season. I think the offensive line is going to be better. I think with all due respect to Tyler Goodson and what he did in his career at Iowa, mm-hmm. I think Gavin and LaShawn are going to be more consistent and fit better with Iowa's running style, especially between the tackles. And if there's one thing this Iowa offense needs, guys, it's simplicity and it's consistency. Iowa needs forget the flashy plays down the field. Iowa needs to get five yards of carry. They need to hit receivers in stride and then pick their opportunities to go downfield because they have guys that could eventually, you know, make plays like Keegan Johnson that we saw last season. So I'm very curious what the route tree is going to look like. And I do think that, you know, with all due respect to Spencer Peters and Brian Ferentz, it's on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a big, big deal. Then there should be pressure. And we know that if Iowa goes out there and lays an egg offensively against South Dakota State, that noise that was loud last year, it's only going to be amplified tenfold, especially with Brian at quarterback coach. No question, especially when you have the defense that they're going to trot out every week because this is a real opportunity for this team. Look, they went a long way last year. They played in Indianapolis, for, for crying out loud, but um, I, most people think the defense is even a notch better than last year's defense. Back to the offense for just a second, David. Uh, Alec Wick came out, and he's number two on the depth chart. What do you know about him? Yeah, you know, he's an interesting case. I know a lot of people are maybe overlooking him just because, obviously, there's so many injuries to this Iowa wide receiver room. But, look, I think Alec Wick's a really solid receiver. That was a big win for Iowa in the preferred walk-on spot. I mean, this is one of the most productive receivers in the state's history. If I remember right, he's number one in the state's history in, in toll catches and toll receptions. He's number three in yardage. He's a very very crisp route runner. I think he has really good hands. I mean, this is a guy that I do think could could get some snaps this year. Now, do I think his long-term upside is at the X receiver? No, because I'm very curious if Brody Breck's going to be able to make a play and fall camp to earn some playing time because I'll tell you what, over it's overanalyzing video and photo season, right? Brody yep. Breck looks like a legit red zone threat. Uh, and talking to Kayvon Merriweather, he, he seemed really high on, on Brody Breck's athleticism and his upside as well. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can break that mold. But again, I think Alec Wick was such a big win in the preferred walk-on scheme of things. I think if it had been a normal recruiting cycle, I think that's a guy that probably gets at least some D1 offers because he, he he's legit. So I, I, I'm curious what, how he's going to look when, uh, it, how much run he gets during the kids' day scrimmage. The center position also, I think, a very intriguing one. You got Logan Jones, who moves over from defense. Looked like he was destined to certainly be part of the rotation there. And another one of those moves that looks like it's working very well. But his backup, Michael Malinsky, you know in the recruiting world, this is a big-time get for Iowa. He beat out Texas for his services, a Florida kid, big-time offers in his profile. How do you think that shakes out? And both those guys, not the biggest. Do either of them have the flexibility to move over to guard between Logan Jones and Michael Malinsky? Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up. So I do think that Logan Jones is going to be the starting center week one for, the, for Iowa. Uh, I, I I almost feel bad for him because all the parallels between him and Linderbaum, and I hope people realize how outstanding and legendary Linderbaum was yeah. at that center position and give Logan Jones some time to adjust to that. But Michael Mislinski was a huge win. I mean, he I believe he committed Texas first, and then there was a coaching change. He decommitted, and Iowa continued to recruit him. He ended up going to Iowa. And that's the guy that I thought before Logan Jones switched to center was poised to take over for Linderbaum. And Mislinski got a lot of work during the regular season, but he did injure his knee in December, missed most of spring ball, but he's been back in the rotation of everything. But, you know, from talking to Kirk and talking to people around the program, 
Michael Mislinski is probably among the top seven, top eight right now as far as overall linemen. And I think when you look at last year, I don't see any reason for Iowa not to have everything on the table and just move players to, to put the best five players out there. I know Tyler Ellsbury has the right guard spot locked down. Nobody's taking Connor Colby's spot. I think he's the guy that could be a potential all-conference guy. But Michael Mislinski, it will not surprise me if he makes a run at right guard and has a battle between him and Ellsbury, especially with Justin Britt out for the yeah. season. Mislinski's mm-hmm. legit. And I think people need to keep an eye on him. You know, back to the running back for just a second. Uh, Goodson carried the ball, what, 250 or so times last year. Who gets those carries? How do how do they break down those carries? Is, is Gavin going to be the guy? Boy, when I see LaShawn, I mean, it's, He's got some wiggle to he him. does. It's good to have options. How do they break down Goodson's carries from last year? Yeah, I think there's a couple different ways that Iowa needs to go about it. I think that Gavin's going to be the number, quote unquote, number one. I do think it's going to be a similar to a LaShawn Daniels and, and Akron Wally in terms of splits. Mm-hmm. I think both those guys are going to get plenty of run. I think LaShawn, when you watch him, like you said, there's a little bit of wiggle, there's a little bit of twitch, but he's a powerful guy and he doesn't shy away from anything. I think Gavin Williams being a between the tackles guy is a big deal. I think both those guys can probably combine for you know, 30, 32 carries a game. And another guy I'd really love to see in red zone situations and short yardage, I think you know where I'm going with this. I'd love to see freshman Caleb Johnson get some reps. I mean, you talk about a guy that's probably the most physically gifted, built running back that has probably ever come through Iowa, or at least up there. I mean, guys, the kid's 18. He looks like he's in his third year in the NFL. Really? He's absolutely insanely built, incredibly strong. And if he gets Iowa's zone running scheme down, I, I really, really think he can make a push to be Iowa's third running back this year. And as you know, with Iowa's history, mm-hmm. you know, knocking on wood, they can't have too many running backs ready to go. It's a good thing to have, no doubt about it. The tight end position, Sam Laporta is there. You feel good. Lachey, we've seen enough from him to feel good. But to bring in a grad transfer that actually has two years of eligibility and some young guys in a season where you don't have a lot of wide receivers. There's just not a lot of depth there. There's not a lot of numbers there mm-hmm. overall two and three tight end sets after those two. Who else should we, we, we be watching for at the tight end position? Yeah, like you said, Steven Stilanos, I think, is going to be a big name for people to know. I mean, guys, he's 6'5", 6'6", 265 pounds. I mean, he's built like a Mack truck. So I think I would go on those three tight end sets and running the ball between the tackles. That might be a way to go. But a name that really caught my ear uh, during Big Ten Media Days was Johnny Pascuzzi. And Kirk said, look, he might not be ready this year, but this is a guy that I think could help us in the future. And our own Sean Bach uh, scouted him a few times when he was in high school, talked to him, did a couple stories on him. And, and Sean, I remember having a conversation with Sean, and he said, look, I think people need to realize this is a very, very good get for Iowa, and it will not surprise me if he ends up being kind of the surprise of that walk-on class. And that's exactly what he wrote when we did our full recap of that recruiting class. So I would keep an eye on Johnny Pascuzzi as a guy that could definitely emerge. But, you know, again, I think Iowa's breakout player for offense this year. I mean, I'm, I'm counting Keegan Johnson. I'm counting Arlen Bruce, sorry, quote-unquote, broken out. Look, guys, I think Luke Lachey is legit. I mean, uh. he's got all the athleticism in the world. And the reality is Iowa's red zone offense is exactly – that's the one big thing that Iowa needs to improve on, even more than consistency. Because guess what? Those automatic threes that they would get the field goals, mm-hmm. they're not automatic they're not there. anymore. Because yep. All the kickers on the roster haven't had a kick – 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, so I think Luke Lachey, Brody Brecht, Iowa finding a way to turn those threes into sevens. I mean, guys, that's going to win you games, especially when you look at the schedule coming down the stretch. So I'd keep an eye on Johnny Pascuzzi, but again, I'd also keep an eye on on Luke Lachey. He hasn't arrived, but I do think he'll arrive by the end of the season. Yeah, interesting. Uh, So I I didn't realize that the, the, what did you say, three touchdowns in the last how many games? Three touchdowns through the final eight games of the season, two of which came against Minnesota, both by Alex Padilla, and then the other one was, the, I believe, the tight end screen to Sam Laporta in the Citrus Bowl. That's the only touchdown Peters had over his last six games. Before that, outside of the screenplay, it was that touchdown in the Penn State game. So I I just looked. Between the two of them, uh, 12 touchdown passes, 11 picks. So if they get this between the two of them, I don't know, maybe Peters will get all of them. Um 24 and 9? I mean, they were 10 and 2 last year. <laughs> how good, if they, if those quarterbacks put up those kind of numbers, what, how high is the, is the bar set for this program? I mean, guys, it, again, it's a case day to me. I know people will hate me saying this, but you put Iowa special teams on Nebraska, Nebraska probably wins the Big Ten West. I mean, that's how close the margins were, yeah. I think, last season. And, you know, I think that there should be pressure on Petrus. He's a third-year starter. And I know I've said this. I mean, Ken, I think you and I talked about this a week ago or so. The, the, the issue isn't Spencer Petrus's arm talent. The guy has a cannon for an arm. He can throw the ball accurately downfield. He doesn't want to make I a mistake. Right now, it's just all mental. And yeah. not mental is an IQ. It's all confidence. And right. It's all about staying true to the mechanics. And I think when you look at last season, it got to a point where Petrus was, you know, getting hit every other play. He was playing injured, and he starts seeing phantoms. And he would just kind of lose his mechanics and get frazzled when there was no reason to get frazzled. Because, again, you look at the talent they have in the skill positions, I think as a collective group, it's probably among the, the most naturally talented group that Kirk's had, uh, you know, and, and at least make an argument for it. So it's going to come down to confidence and staying true to the mechanics. And Iowa cannot be afraid to make mistakes. I think it got to a point where, the offense was so afraid to make any little mistake. They wouldn't take any shots down the field. And then it would put so much pressure on the defense to take the ball away. So Iowa needs to be more risky with the offense at the end of the day if they're going to continue to make strides and instill confidence in themselves. And, again, consistency. They need to find a way to manage it. The route trees are important. The play calling is going to be important. I think the O-line is going to be better. But it's going to come down to Spencer Peters' shoulder, but he's been in the program long enough. He's started enough games that – you, you got to rise to the occasion. I think that's what people are eager to see. Eager to see. David Eichel to 24-7 spots, HawkeyeInsider.com. David, thank you for doing this. We'll talk to you uh, either next week or the following. Thank you, David. We appreciate uh, hey, yeah. your contribution. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Yep, good thank to hear you. from you. Take care, Dave. Uh, David Eichel, as we uh, go inside. I, didn't, I had no idea it was that bad. It was brutal. And those were some of those numbers that I went through. How about this? These are uh, some numbers I unearthed. One touchdown the last six games for Petrus on that screen pass in the bowl game. 11 of the 19 games that he has played significant minutes, he has thrown for under 200 yards. In his first career start, he threw for 265. That's a career high. Since then, only once 
has Spencer Peters thrown for more than 225 yards? 225, not a real high bar. That game was the Maryland game a year ago, the Friday night game. That's where we are. That's the quarterback numbers that you're looking at. Two times over 225 in his career. Nate Stanley, in his 39 career starts, 41% of the time he threw for more than 225. Hmm. It's not a system problem. It's a quarterback problem. Mm-hmm. And the arm talent's there. Just throw the ball, kid. The football talent isn't, though. No, I know. Arm he, talent is, football th- talent isn't. I think he's worried to make a mistake. Yes. I really do. Just get over that. Just throw it. He can't. You can't fix this. Then you can't play him. Been saying that for a year and a half. But what you got? But what do you have behind him? Anything. <laughs> but he is not great. No. But he's better than the alternative. And the alternative. Is but Spencer you know Peters. what? When when he was in there, he looked okay. Maybe mm-hmm. they should be playing. But then all of a sudden, eh, is he really that much better? He was brutal in the first half of the Nebraska game. Also, remember, he was sick. I don't remember that, but I'll take your word for it. I, I'm not saying you're wrong. Yeah. Um, well, all right, Mitch Holtis. Because that next. was the whole Deuce Hogan thing, if we had to go with Deuce oh, because I both the quarterbacks that. were sick. Yeah, and then Farron said what he said, and then yeah. Hogan leaves the program. We wouldn't yeah, have yeah, yeah. we left Iowa City if uh, if Deuce was going to be our quarterback. It said it jokingly, and it mm. didn't go over well. It, it was cringeworthy, I'll give you that. Uh, Mitch Holtis next, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. I'm fair. Hi, Miller and Cosman. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. We take you up until noon. Uh, Bill Bender, Sporting News coming up. Back to college football in our number two. Right now, Mitch Holt is the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. Papa John's, the Donaldsons in central Iowa. Uh, they make Mitch's appearance as possible, and he joins us. Hello, Mitch Holt. Is Trenton Ken. How are you? Hello, men. Doing very well. A gorgeous day today for getting the work in. Here in St. Joe, and before I get into anything, I need to mention a proud graduate of the West Des Moines Valley Tigers and an Iowa State Cyclone who is one of our camp interns in PR, Kelsey Bull. I need to throw that out there because I don't remember when we've had a PR intern from Valley High, Iowa State combo. So I'm going to throw that out there just to get things started. Absolutely. You can never localize it enough, and we appreciate you with doing this. So in St. Joe's, Mitch, um, how, have the, how have the crowds been? Is it, does it seem like everything's back the way it once was prior to this period of everybody's lifetime? Yeah, excellent question. Yes. The Chiefs, though, in case fans are listening and want to come, and it's an easy trip. We mention that every year from Des Moines. They do have to get a ticket, although it's free most days. The Chiefs are still uh, requiring an electronic ticketing, just like going to a game. But uh, And they're also capping it off. Um, so generally a sellout here would be 5,500 to 6,000. We have had those kind of crowds here. And another big one today. So yes, to answer your question, it has been pretty much uh, seemingly back to normal, at least 2019 levels. Uh, that's great to see, and certainly want to get that defense back to the level they played late in the season. Not so much in September, but uh, certainly what we saw as the season progressed. And one of those big names we're certainly uh, taking a look at here is Nick Bolton. Fill us in a little bit on the linebacker and some newness coming up for him this season. Well, let's take Nick first and foremost. One of the most asked questions that I've had since spring and summer, or since the Chiefs did not re-sign Tyron Matthew, is who's going to take over the leadership of the defense? What's going on with this defense? 
I even retweeted that James Jones saying the Chiefs will be last in the division and they have the worst <laughs> defense in the division. Okay. Uh, all that being said, I lose sleep over a lot of stuff. I have lost no sleep over who's going to take over the leadership of this defense. And I'm going to hit you two days with this. But it starts with Nick Bolton, the second-year linebacker out of Missouri, who's wearing the green dot. Now, just to re-educate everybody on the green dot, you have one defensive guy that can have radio communication with your sideline, like the offense will have with the quarterback. That communication has to happen between 40 seconds and 15 seconds on the play clock. Then they mute it. But that defensive play caller has got to hear the call, relay it either verbally or non-verbally to the other 10 players on the field because if that does not happen, you've got big problems. For Nick Bolton, even though it's in his second year, he's got football instinct, and he was a big leader at Mizzou. He is embracing wearing the green dot. Oh yeah, man, it's been exciting. Uh, just kind of get that, get back to where I was in college, uh, with, with never controlling the defense uh, and that aspect of it. But again, it's still a, a stepping stone. I still got a long way to go. Uh, I'm having fun right now, and I'm enjoying myself. And these guys are giving me confidence every single day. So it's exciting to be here. The other part that's exciting, guys, is the increased athleticism on defense. I've alluded that on these other reports, mm-hmm. but especially at linebacker. Um, this is a group that's younger feistier and much more athletic willie gay jr um they picked up elijah lee uh former 49er and cleveland brown former k-state wildcat but nick has noticed that from year one to year two the athleticism in the um linebacker room oh yeah we got some youth down there uh, down the road me myself included uh <laughs> second year uh, willie's third year and then we just got in leo also got some vets in the room we brought in we got jc uh, we brought in from uh, carolina and also got elijah lee coming in from um uh, Cleveland, that's where his last was at. So uh, all those guys coming in every single day, pushing each other, uh, communicating uh, with each other, trying to see different things. And so uh, we're coming in, dealing in as a group. Uh, we're only getting better. Um, so I'm excited to see what we got as well. To me, it, 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 I've mentioned this, but I think it'll be the shocking factor. James Jones hasn't seen this defense yet. <laughs> and things have to kind of clip together. But guys, they have a chance to be way better on defense. You know what I keep coming back to, and the uh, Andy Reid and company did not have a first-round pick in 2021. That 2021 draft, Mitch, for not having a first-round pick and, and getting the guys, both of the you know the staples on the offensive line, and then Nick Bolton, who I believe was he was gone first before Creed Humphrey, I think. He's either that or vice yes, versa. Yes. But the 2021 draft for not having a first-round pick, my gosh, home run. Yeah, and, and good point, Ken. So think of Leonard and Nicole. Darius Leonard, just the stud he is. Uh, Nick Bolton was the first rookie in the league since Darius Leonard to have over 100 tackles and 10 tackles for a loss. I can register 12 tackles, but if you're gaining seven yards every time, right. that's 12 tackles, but you're getting 94 yards. Nick Bolton had 11 tackles for losses. The one game he wore the green dot last year, Hitch was hurt, was Tennessee. So it's King Henry and that bunch of dudes. And, and Nick had four tackles for losses and I believe 15 tackles, one of the best performances in Chiefs history. So uh, it, it, you're on pace with this. It, this the, the, 2000, or the 2021 draft class was awesome, and we're hoping 2022 fits in right behind him. No, no doubt. Uh, just uh, Matthew, uh, terrific Chief, obviously, was, uh, was not where he started his career, but, boy, the impact that he made when he is there. And I know he's moved on. Uh, but just uh, how will you remember his uh, Chiefs tenure? Well, he was phenomenal in 2019 and just a transformational player. Um, 
it, it, he struggled in 2020, and then 2021, he, he really struggled, but still didn't lose his sense of team uh, and the sense of having impact behind his own game. I, I know I mentioned that on the first couple reports, but guys, it's not easy to find those guys anymore, and Tyron embraces it. He, he gets, he's got a lot of dimensions to his life, and uh, he'll do great. I don't worry about Tyron Matthew either. Uh, let's talk about Papa John's Mitch Holtis. They make it possible for you to join us. Let's uh, give them some uh, love. Trent, yeah, Kent get, has already got this mm-hmm. right, but this pepperoni stuffed crust pizza. Ken knows this. Yeah. It's epic. Okay, Trent, you were gone. It's yeah. epic pepperoni stuffed crust pizza, thirteen ninety nine at Papa John's. Get ready for the state fair. Get ready for the Hall of Fame game. Get ready for the, the Cyclones, the Panthers, the Hawkeyes. The Bulldogs with an epic pepperoni stuffed crust pizza, thirteen ninety nine. Tomorrow, I'm going to hit. Some people might think, "Hey, Bolton, yeah, I could see him." I'm going to tell the guy that's as much or more that people don't know about. We'll do that tomorrow. Look forward to it, Mitch Holtis. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the pizza. Indeed, we will. Uh, Mitch Holtis uh, is the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, Bill Bender, Trent, and I are going to talk a little college football to start the hour. Then we're going to get into those DraftKings specials uh, that Trent alluded to early in the program. Some really interesting props uh, that have come your way. We will discuss that. Trent's play of the day uh, will be coming up at the end of the program. That is sponsored by Circus Sports. There is NFL football tonight. Miller and Condon, one hour to go. Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.